Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. This morning, we're going to jump right into the, uh, the message, uh, to a new series at our church called Here Comes the Dreamer. Here Comes the Dreamer. Uh, today is going to serve as kind of an introduction to the series. And uh, it might just be a little shorter than I usually speak with all that we've had going on today. I'm going to try, at least. And a lot of pastors say that, and it's hard to do. Um, but we have water baptisms at the end of service, and that is going to be awesome. Uh, for the next couple months, we're going to be working our way through the story of Joseph, the story of Joseph in, in uh, Genesis 37 to 50. I don't have a definitive amount of weeks because I have a whole bunch of material I've written down over the last little while, uh, reading a book and studying the story. Um, and when it comes to talking about a dream, there are a couple different things that having a dream can mean, right? The one that comes to mind most quickly is, of course, the vivid, uh, the vivid things that we see in our minds when we're sleeping, right? And dreams, the kind we have when we are sleeping, they are an interesting thing because sometimes a dream we have when we're sleeping, it holds a great meaning. And sometimes it does not hold any meaning at all, and it's just a weird dream. One of the most interesting parts about dreams is that many people have versions of the same dream. I'm going to mention a couple. They're going to sound familiar to you. I should note that if you go look, you go Google these dreams, there's people who try to make blanket statements about what they all mean. And I don't really buy it because every person is different. There's 8 billion people on earth, and the dream doesn't mean the same thing for all 8 billion people. But some dreams that are common... Uh, the first one is this, falling from a great height. You ever had the dream where you're falling and you're falling and you're falling? Uh, I never actually have hit the ground in this dream. If you have, I would be interested to hear what it felt like in the dream, you know. Uh, a really common one is uh, being chased, dreams about being chased. My son Luke, man, he doesn't do it as much anymore, but he was famous for it when he was about two. If you would ask him uh, what he dreamed about, it would be a five-minute yarn about something he's being chased by, usually a dinosaur or a monster or a combination of the two. And people have these long, rambling videos. And I'm, sometimes we'd say, Luke, what did you dream about last night? And he'd go for a minute, and then he'd be like, hang on, i got to get the rest. And he'd close his eyes, like, okay, now I got it. And then he'd finish for you. He just told me the other day about one where he was, the only parts I really remember, he was being chased by Captain Hook. He was with his brother and his brother's friend, Colton, and they were at church. I don't know. Chased by Captain Hook at church, right? Um, apparently, uh, having a dream about losing teeth is very common. That's never happened to me. Maybe because my dad's a dentist and I just never worried about it. I don't know. Uh, but apparently, that's a very common dream. Uh, taking a test and not being prepared for it. That is a very common dream. And that one, Leona, you, you identify with that one? Yeah. A high schooler over here. That has happened. I have very variations of that one. Sometimes I used to dream in a particularly busy week when I was leading worship that I showed up to lead and like I had forgotten that my guitar was upside down and I forgot to learn to play it that way. Or I forgot to put strings on it or something crazy like that. You know, something I never could have done. Those are just common dreams that we all have. Uh, but Joseph, who we are going to talk about, Joseph had dreams while he slept that meant something. And that leads us to this next type of dream, and that is the type of dream that God puts inside of us for our waking moments. The kind he puts inside of us that God us each day. And Joseph, as we are going to find out, uh, there was a purpose that he was made for. 
Joseph was made for a purpose. And just like Joseph in the Old Testament, who has this incredible story we're going to unpack over the next uh, couple of months, God has a dream for the heart of every believer. You need to know God has a heart for the dream of every believer. Or a dream for the heart of every believer. Um, not a dream about being chased by a wild animal or Captain Hook or losing a tooth, but a dream about what he has created us to be and what he has created us to do. Every one of you in this place, you're created to be something and created to do something. Now, these dreams that God puts inside of us, they are different for each person. The dream that God has put inside of me is different than the one that he has put inside of you. But neither dream is more important than the other, right? God put a dream inside of us a couple of years ago to pastor a church. It's no more important than those of you who what God has put inside of you is to build semiconductors and do a great job at it. No, not one is more important than the other. We're going to see as we read this that Joseph's brothers, they say of him derisively, they say, here comes the dreamer. But having a dream is incredible when the dream comes from God. And today I have uh, three things that happen when we become a dreamer, when we let God inspire a dream inside of us. These, uh, they would define Joseph's life and they will guide us as we make our way through the story. We're going to read out of Genesis 37 here in a moment. Uh, but there's this really important part of the story you need to know before we read Genesis 37. We don't have time to read the whole pretext, so we can go back and read it if you want to. But the story of Jacob, Joseph's father, is rather complicated, even messy, has some really cool parts. But what you need to know before we read this is that Joseph, uh, who we're going to read about the dreamer, Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. And he'd been born when Jacob was an old man. He was the first son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. And Rachel died during the birth of Joseph's brother, Benjamin. You also need to know, if we fast forward to the end of the story, sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, spoil the ending. You've probably heard it or read it. But Joseph, this dreamer, he ends up essentially ruling all of Egypt. And you say, wait a minute, is he an Israelite? Yes, he is. But he essentially ends up ruling all of Egypt. He saves his entire family, including the brothers who are going to betray him. He puts the Israelites in this position to multiply, become strong. And he ultimately puts them in position to leave Egypt for the promised land. But before all of that happens that we're going to unpack, we have this good old-fashioned story of a family rivalry. Now, that leads us to Genesis 37, 1 through 19. We're going to read first. We're going to read some good chunks today, so I encourage you to follow along uh, in your Bibles. I'm reading out of the NIV today. We've got it on the screen up there. Let's read together. It says this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. They could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to us, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he had said. 
Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Verse 12, now his brother had gone to graze their brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, that's Jacob, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers, and they found him near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. This morning I have for us three things that happened to dreamers. I'm resisting the temptation to dive really deep into some of this so we can save it for other weeks. So if I get into something and you're like, man, I feel like there's more to say, there is more to say, just in future weeks and not today. Um, But the first thing that happens to dreamers is this. Number one, dreamers don't let bitterness or resentment control them. We just mentioned what happens at the, uh, the end of the story. Joseph, he ends up second in command of Egypt. He saves his family along with the rest of saving the rest of God's people. But if Joseph doesn't uh, make the decision to resist bitterness, then none of that happens. We just saw he was walking up and uh, his brothers were plotting to kill him. It's really key to understand that when Joseph relates these dreams to his brothers, the one at the beginning of the passage about the sheaves of grain bowing down and the other one about the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down, There's not really an indication that Joseph was trying to tell them, hey, these dreams are from God. He was relating uh, the dream to his brothers as a brother would, right? We see from the results of Joseph's life that he was extremely intelligent. So he probably knew how his brothers would perceive it. He's not dumb, but brothers do things like that sometimes. We, see, we do see previously in Genesis, the reason I think we know this is because we see previously in Genesis where God does speak very specifically in a dream to Abimelech in Genesis 20, to Laban concerning Jacob, Joseph's father, in Genesis 31. And it's very clear when the Bible talks about it that it is God speaking in the dream. Nothing like what we read here. We don't see anything like that here in Genesis 37. In this case, all it tells us is Joseph, he had a dream. He related it to his brothers, but there's no mention of God speaking, an angel coming, anything like that. Now the relationship like we read between them was already strained because of their father Jacob's favoritism. You've heard of Joseph's coat of many colors, right? There's the the play Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat. It's famous. And we read about it in verse 3. That was the ornate robe that it talked about. And these kind of robes, they were often made and given to the son that was expected to lead the family after the father had passed away. But Joseph was not the oldest brother who that honor was usually given to. And all of this, plus the dreams that this little brother for some reason keeps coming up and saying, hey guys, I had this dream. All of this, that adds up to the brothers not liking it. 
Brothers, do not like what this adds up to because they think this sounds like he thinks he's going to rule over us. Now, it turns out that Joseph's brothers were right. (laughs) They were fearful for a good reason. Joseph would rule over them. And what connects it even more directly to this dream is that Joseph, he would later save their lives, and he would do it by providing grain for them during a famine that comes from the sheaves of wheat that were bowing. And why Joseph related these dreams to his brothers, we don't know. Right? Maybe they were trying to fight for supremacy over who got the bigger part of the room, and that's what he was trying to do. I don't know. Maybe it was his way of trying to just process them out loud. But this was his family he was talking to. Surely he thought that he could trust them. But what we don't see here is Joseph, at 17 years old, he's not attempting to take authority over them at this time in his life. He's not coming to them and saying, I'm in charge of you guys from here on out. Now, that was indeed the destiny that God had for him. But Joseph, he was not presumptuous enough to have gone down that road in his mind, trying to take authority in that moment. See, what Joseph shows us, 17 years old, is that humility is a key to resisting bitterness. See, friends, we must understand, I must understand, you must understand that every single thing we have is given by God. It's not deserved because of anything we've done. I don't deserve anything I have because of how good I am, anything I do. Now, what was about to happen to Joseph is something that would bring every type of negative emotion and pain. We'll spend a bunch of time talking about it, but if you don't know the story, Joseph, he was about to be thrown into a deep well. He was about to be sold into slavery. He was about to be thrown into prison. He was about to be accused of a crime he didn't commit. And all of this was simply because of the jealousy of his brothers. But on the other side of all of that, God had a plan for Joseph. The reason Joseph was able to accomplish that plan is because he was able to keep bitterness and anger from controlling him. Now, in every single one of our lives, I want to tell you this. God has a plan, and he has a dream that he has placed inside of us. God has a plan for you and a dream that he's placed inside of you. Not necessarily a dream that we have while we sleep. Uh, but one that God has placed inside of our hearts. And I can tell you from experience, and I think I have this on the screen, we are often delayed from discovering what God has for us because we're focused on what we think someone else took away from us. We often are distracted from the amazing things God has because we're like, don't you remember the thing that happened to me two years ago? Remember how mean that person was to me? You see, bitterness and unforgiveness, they tear a hole in our heart. And no matter how wonderful the dream is that God has given us, we don't make any progress towards getting there because our energy drains out that hole that we haven't plugged. Anyone ever here uh, gone to put oil in your car but done this thing where you forget to put the cap back on? Anybody else? Anyone willing to be honest? A couple of people? Good, good, good. People that are smarter than me raising their hands. That makes me feel good. I've done it one time. Being a good boy, checking the oil in the car. And uh, put it in there, you know, do the dipstick, make sure it's just right, checking it between oil changes. And I've only done it one time, and the car doesn't run very well. Right? (laughs) Pastor Chase is laughing. He's a car guy. (laughs) He's like, well, duh. Yeah, the car doesn't run very well. It runs okay at first because you just put the oil in. And you don't know what the problem is because you you close the hood, right? And you don't realize the oil is low before it's all come out and it's gotten all over everything else. 
right? Yeah, the, the car starts to run funny, so you pop the hood, and you're like, why is it black under this entire hood? You check the oil, and then you think, I should put oil, and then you realize there's no cap on this. <laughs> and usually it's sitting right where you left it, right? <laughs> you may have gotten a few more miles in, but possibly a great cost. Might have wrecked the engine, hopefully not. For sure, it's really messy and oily underneath there. Now, Joseph, he could have spent his life angry at his brothers for what they'd done looking for them so he could retaliate. He could have left the cap off of the oil thing for his entire life. Do you remember? This guy threw me in. We're about to read it. They threw me in a cistern. They threw me in a well. They left me for dead. But if Joseph had done that, he never would have accomplished the purpose that God had for him. Friends, a lot of times we, we never get to the purpose because we're so focused on what happened behind us. Uh, notice, I'm saying we. I'm including myself in the equation here. What the life of Joseph shows us is that overcoming bitterness is a key step when it comes to being a dreamer. Something else that happens, number two, dreamers have the ability to change the course of their family. Uh, read with me this morning, verses 19, 19 through 28. We're kind of going back a little bit so we have some, some context. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Boy, we can see here how misguided Joseph's brothers are, right? My brothers might be mean to each other. I don't know many that have pulled a thing like this. It's easy, and it, and it makes, even makes sense to wonder how in the world they possibly could have gone through with a plan like this. Everyone comes up with crazy plans, you know, when they're frustrated, their siblings. I don't think anyone tries to carry them out, not many people, right? But we see in their, in their actions evidence of many things that they surely knew were wrong, right? Just in these verses, we see jealousy, manipulation, outright lying, and intent to murder. All of that is stuff that uh, the brothers are talking about. But if you're wondering where in the world would these brothers possibly have gotten the idea to act this way? All we really need to do is go look, and the apple does not fall far from the tree. It's true then, and it's true now. You see, even though Jacob, if you go read the story, he was a man who wrestled with God. And he was, uh, he was injured in his hip, and he never walked the same again. Jacob was a man who wrestled with God, and he would re be redeemed at the end of his life. Jacob had allowed his heart to be deceptive long before it happened to his sons. 
And that principle that was true even then is that our children's natural tendency is to take who we are and they take it even further. It's just the way we're wired. It's the way that we're made. Um, I'll spare you the long stories. My son, John, you know he loves baseball. I loved baseball when I was a kid. My son, John, loves baseball in a way I could not have fathomed when I was 10 years old. And he just takes it farther than I did because I'm his dad. Some of you may remember the story of Jacob, uh, his slightly older twin brother Esau, and their father Isaac. Jacob, he orchestrated this scheme to steal his brother's birthright as firstborn. They were twins. And he did manage to take what he so desperately wanted by deception. He managed to pull it off. But he brought many, many unintended consequences on himself. He had been the favorite son of his mother, but he never saw his mother again after that. His brother Esau, of course, after this happened, after he stole his birthright, his brother Esau wanted him dead. His uncle Laban, if you go back and read this story, his uncle deceived him when it came to who he would marry. His life was full of conflict for decades. And so when we know this, it makes more sense that Joseph's brothers, when they're faced with this possibility of an outcome that they don't like, did he say he had a dream about the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down to him? They did what dad did. Hey, you guys remember that story about what, about what dad did with grandpa? The whole like going in and switching with, with Uncle Esau? I guess it's the way that it works in this family. Yeah, we take what we believe is ours. It's a long list of transgressions, if you go read it, that Jacob permitted in his family, but they boil down to just a couple of things. One of them is that Jacob, he approached conflict in a passive way. We even saw in the first part of that scripture we read a few moments ago, Jacob, he heard about the dreams his son uh, Joseph had been having, and he either didn't notice the rift with his brother or he wasn't brave enough to intervene. He didn't notice that they were at odds or he uh, didn't care enough to notice or he wasn't brave enough to intervene in it. And what happens when parents, people, and authority are passive is that those who are watching them, they begin to take matters into their own hands. That's what the 11 brothers did. Now it happens in a subtle way at first, but in this case, it soon became this raging fire that led to an intense jealousy. Jacob's family, he allowed jealousy to take root. And jealousy, friends, you probably know this, but jealousy is a response that only brings destruction. Jealousy brings only destruction in our hearts. But into all of this family carnage and chaos, here comes Joseph. You see, friends, a dreamer, a dreamer can change their family tree. They sarcastically, his brothers, uh, when he came, they sarcastically called Joseph a dreamer that day. The literal translation of what they were saying is something like master dreamer. So they were something, saying something like very sarcastically, here comes the master dreamer. The brother who has all the dreams. But as we work our way through these chapters in Genesis, Joseph, he continually takes action when he is able to take it. Doesn't lord his authority over people, but he continually takes action when he's able to take it. So much so that Joseph, as an Israelite, he somehow makes his way to a position of the highest authority in Egypt. And he has to do it more than once. 
We'll get into that part of the story. Joseph, he has every opportunity to carry jealousy and hurt in his heart. I don't know about you, but if the people that I trusted threw me into an empty water well I couldn't get out of, then sold me to the highest bidder, I would have some bitterness and jealousy. And Joseph has every opportunity to carry that in his heart. Toward his father who sent him to the lion's den with his brothers. Whether his father knew what he was doing or whether he didn't. He still did it. Toward his brothers who initially decided to kill him but then decided to sell him instead. Toward Potiphar's wife who gets him sent back to prison after he's worked his way up. We'll get to that later. Despite all of that, Joseph, somehow he keeps his heart from being jealous or bitter towards his brothers. As far as Joseph knows, once he gets thrown in the cistern and sold, as far as he knows, his brothers are living comfortably at home. Keeps him, somehow he keeps from being bitter towards fellow prisoners who he helps gain freedom. And he says, I only ask you to remember me once you leave. And they completely forget about him. In all these situations, when his brothers have followed the example of their father Jacob, they've been passive, they've been jealous, they've even been murderous towards him. Joseph is the one in whom God has placed the dream. And over the 110 years that Joseph lived, that dream, it changed the course of his family. The dream God's put in you, it can change the course of your family. That leads us to our final thought about dreamers this morning. That is, number three, a dreamer brings restoration when the dream is God-inspired. I'm going to finish Genesis chapter 37 here uh, and read together verses 29 through 36. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain, the guard. At this point in the story, Joseph, son of Jacob, Joseph only knows that he has had a couple of dreams. Like we said before, God did not speak in these dreams. Like he's probably heard of God speaking in dreams before. Yet something inside of Joseph must have believed these were from God or he wouldn't have said anything. Maybe he was testing it out, see how it sounded. We don't really know. But now the consequences of the decades of family strife, they're beginning to be felt. And Reuben, for a reason we don't know, he comes up with this last minute plan to at least keep Joseph alive and instead sell him into slavery. Possibly he has an attack of conscience or possibly he realizes how sad his father will be. That's what I think it was. I think he knew how sad his father would be. Either way, they take this ornate coat, uh, the coat of many colors, and they throw him into the cistern. And a cistern is kind of like a large bottle in the ground for holding water. It has this narrow opening at the top. It would have been impossible to get out of by yourself. And Reuben, like we read in there, he perhaps thinks he's going to be able to come back, set Joseph free without the other guys knowing. But he returns. He must have been off doing something while the other guys were eating. He returns and he finds that Joseph's already gone. He's already been sold. 
And so the brothers come up with this plan to deceive their father Jacob. They dip the robe in the goat's blood to convince Jacob that his favorite son has been killed by a wild beast. Now you might remember, uh, if you read the story, that Jacob, he deceived his own father with the skin of a goat. And that story we referenced earlier, that's what he used uh, in order to deceive his own father to, to steal Esau's birthright. And now it comes full circle as a similar scheme is used against him. And we saw there he goes and he mourns and, and no one can comfort him. Now, friends, let's not miss the bigger picture here, okay? Joseph's brothers, they made this decision, and now they are forced to live with the guilt of what they've done. As far as they know, these 11 brothers, they're going to take the secret to their grave. And in order to perpetuate the scheme, they're all going to have to keep the secret together. Not knowing where Joseph is, whether he's dead or alive. They're also going to have to watch their father mourn who thinks... uh, Father mourned what he thinks is the death of his beloved Joseph. It's his sorrow that is never going to leave Jacob. Jacob's going to live with it forever. And it's a secret that's going to torture the brothers for as long as they're alive. But remember, friends, a dreamer brings restoration when the dream is God-inspired. When a hope that's inspired by God is involved, friends, restoration, it can happen in the midst of circumstances meant for evil. When the dream is inspired by God, restoration can happen. Remember what they said to Joseph before they sold him into slavery. It's the title of our thing, right? Here comes the dreamer. It was the dreams that got him thrown into the pit and sold into slavery. But later it was dreams that brought him to the highest place of authority in the palace of Pharaoh. And we'll see as we work our way through the story that Joseph, he's able to bring complete restoration to their family. He saves their physical lives by providing for them during a famine. Because by then, he's got such power, he's in charge of the food of the most powerful nation in the world. Not only that, though, Joseph, he restores his family one to another. And he does it by offering forgiveness that his brothers knew they did not deserve. Man, when we get to that part of the story, I'm telling you, it's powerful. And Joseph doesn't know it, but when he's thrown into that cistern, that dream that God placed in him, and it has begun to restore his family. Oh, it's decades out, but the plan has begun. Friends, this morning as we kind of land and and, uh, we prepare to do water baptisms here in a moment, each of you needs to know you have the ability to change your family tree. If your family to this point has just been strife and deception and arguments at every turn, just as Joseph's was, just as his family did, you can be the one this morning to find hope in Jesus. And with his help, you can be the one to turn the tide. One conversation, one family gathering, one time gathered for prayer as a family, one decision filled with integrity and humility at a time. If there has always been deception in your family, you can be the bringer of hope by bringing honesty and gentleness. We talked about how Jacob was passive and he should have been more honest. You don't have to be a jerk to do that. You can be the bringer of hope by bringing honesty and gentleness. I would challenge all of us, challenge myself to do what Joseph did. And when it seems like the enemy has conspired to bring about our defeat, Allow God to place within us a dream that can be inspired by him, only by him.
and a dream that can bring restoration. Let me ask you this, friends. Why can't you be the first one ever that you know of in your family to reject drugs or alcohol? Why can't you be the one who decides they're going to live life clear-eyed and focused on your family until God takes you home? Why can't it be you? You can start today. Why can't you be the one who prays each day for God to break down walls of bitterness and pain between family members and facilitate that restoration when it's time? Why can't it be you? I'd encourage you today to ask God for a dream for your family. Even if you haven't started the family yet, ask God for a dream. Because a dream that's inspired by God, friends, it can bring miraculous restoration. Even when it looks like the circumstances point towards nothing but pain. Even when you've been thrown in the cistern and you see no way out. And friends, just like Joseph found out as he went from the pit to the prison to the palace, there's a purpose that God has created you for. There's a purpose that God has created you for. A dreamer rejects bitterness. A dreamer can change their family. A dreamer can bring restoration when the dream is from God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, friends? Uh, it's important that we do this today. You might be here and you hear me talking about God and Jesus and speaking and guiding. But you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're saying, yeah, I would love to have a dream placed in my heart from God. Uh, but you don't know Jesus, you have to start there. We're going to celebrate when we baptize people in water here in a moment that the old is gone, the new has come. New Testament tells us that Jesus came to earth, he died, he lived a life with no sin, and he rose again, and he defeated death and sin. And it says when we confess him with our mouth uh, that we become a Christian, that we get to go to heaven, that we become one of God's children. And God's number one purpose for every one of you, over and above everything, is that you accept his son, Jesus. And that you spend eternity with him, becoming his son or his daughter. And if you're hoping God will spark a dream inside of your heart, that's where it begins. So if you're here this morning, uh, we're not going to take a ton of time. We're not going to pressure anyone. But if you're here this morning and you either need to rededicate your life to Jesus today or you need to accept him for the first time, would you just raise your hand across this place so I can know to pray with you? Awesome. Thank you for raising your hands. Put it down. Hey, we're going to pray together this morning, friends. We do this often. Uh, I'm going to have you, every one of you repeat a prayer after me. If you know Jesus, you are just agreeing with those who have said today that they need to know him. Uh, we're celebrating with them as they accept the Lord. And if you say this prayer and you mean it, whether uh, you raise your hand or whether you didn't, Jesus is prepared to come and make you new. So everyone in the place, would you repeat after me? Would you say, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Today, I believe in you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Today, I'm a new creation. I accept you into my life. I'll live for you the rest of my days. In your name, amen. My friends, you can look up. If you said that prayer, you meant it from the bottom of your heart, and I believe some of you did, um, that Jesus is making you new in this moment. Maybe uh, you said that prayer and rededicated your life today, and you'd like to be baptized here in a minute when we baptize people in water. Uh, catch me on the way out. If you're going to be baptized today, 
Uh, now's your time. Uh, go ahead and stand up and make your way out uh, to the bathrooms where you can change. Uh, the worship team's going to lead us in a song this morning while we go change. And I encourage you to stay. Give us five minutes or so. We're going to change our clothes. We're going to baptize a bunch of people in water, and it is going to be awesome. Don't miss it. So would you stand uh, uh, this morning as we sing, uh, tell God he reigns above it all. We'll baptize people here in a moment. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.